Good morning. It's July 27th. That Im- those images are from all the way back in May. We've been waiting a little bit uh, to get the review of all that happened on that day with Fusion, that we joined with a bunch of other churches to do some work around the community. So I saw Ray. Nice job, Ray. I know you were there, but that was, that was a lot of fun. It was a fun day. It's July 27th, as I said, which is kind of a fun day in our family. Both of our dads were born on July 27th. Uh, it was part of the arrangement we had with marriage. We had to find dads on the same day. And so, no, it's just kind of weird. So happy birthday to our dads, wherever they are. As for the rest of you, it may not be your birthday, but we're glad you're here anyway. And we're going to start today the way we did last week. And we're going to start today exactly the way we did last week. We're, we're doing a gathering prayer, just kind of a way of saying, God, we're all here in your presence. And not only that, but we're praying to God all together. And we're really praying over each other all together. So what we're going to do this week is the exact same prayer that we did last week. Uh, just because I want you to hear it a few times for it to start to become meaningful to you. So it's coming up on the screen. I'd like us to stand as we pray this. And what we'll do is I'll read the, the line that begins with, Oh God, and then you pray the, indent, the indented lines. And remember, this is a prayer. And I know, I know in our tradition we don't do a lot of this kind of thing, so it is possible that you'll start reading when I'm reading or something or other will go on. Don't worry about it. It's just fine. Relax. It's okay. If you start reading with me, it'll be a great duet. So, okay, here we go. <clears throat> O oh God, let this community gather in your presence. O oh God, let this community gather in your purpose. O oh God, let this community gather in your power. We've prayed to our God, now let's sing to him. God is good, so let's sing about his goodness.
Father, we just sing those words, God, that we are yours. And we stand here with arms wide open, Lord. Father, because we're yours, we just ask, Father, to change us and to mold us and to make us um, not who we were before we knew you, but into a new creation. And we know that your word has promised that. So, Father, we stand here now with our arms wide open, Lord, with our hearts wide open, asking you, Father, to search us and to know us, to show us, God, what you desire.
while you're still standing, just bow your head for a moment and allow the message of that song to continue to sink into your soul. Really rest in it. Thank you for speaking truth to us, Father. Open our ears to hear it. In your name, amen. You can have a seat now. And as you do, I'd love you to take that folder out that you received on the way in. There's a card on the inside and on the front. It always looks basically the same. gives you the chance to fill out your information about where you live, those sorts of things. The backside changes a little bit. And one of the changes in that little box is uh, kind of a point of celebration for us. When we get back to setting up this fall, we will have 16 Sundays to go. We're calling them the Sweet 16. 16 weeks of setting up and tearing down and putting it in the trailer and all that stuff. And we thought the best way to handle this, right, is to finish strong. Let's finish strong. We have some people that literally have set up and torn down from it for us from the very first Sunday we were here. And there are others along the way that have tried it for a while and they, you know, they said, yeah, I'm moving on to a different ministry or whatever. Maybe you've never touched a chair. You've never moved a stage. This is your chance, all right? Let's finish strong. So if you'd like to do at least one of those Sundays or maybe a month or maybe all 16, uh, check that box off today and we'll contact you and and get you involved in in that process. If it's uh, your first time here, we welcome you. We have a first time gift that we always want to give to you as you're leaving today. You see a table, a couple of boxes of donuts there. I suspect those are gone by now, but you can take the box if you want. And then on the other side, you see a Bible that looks a lot like this one. It's the Bible we use around here and it's just It's a common English Bible. So it's easy to understand, easy to read. We'd encourage you to take one of those. And then we also have something that we'd like to mail you during the week if you go ahead and just put your address on the card. So, okay, time for this morning's question. And I said sometimes these questions are a little bit silly and sometimes they're, you know, just sublime and deep and absolutely rich and theological. This one's kind of in the middle today. And you won't really believe that until you see where we're going with it. So... You are either a napper or a non-napper. You either think naps are wasted on kids and should be used on adults, or you think people that nap are lazy slugs and should get a life. You fall in one of those two categories, I promise you. So it's confession time here at church. You're going to lean over and talk to the person next to you about whether you're a napper or a non-napper and why you're a napper or a non-napper. And would you just kind of look around and make sure nobody's left out of the conversation? So go ahead.
So we're listening to God this morning, and one of the things we do when we listen to God is listen to Scripture, and we hear what He has to say. What I'd like to do today is read through the story that we'll be covering today. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bible and want to follow along, and you can do that in the dark, you feel free, or you can follow along on the screens and uh, listen to this story from 1 Kings 19. We read, when Ahab got home, that's King Ahab, he told Queen Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the fire from heaven, including slaughtering the prophets. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you the same way you've killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, about a hundred mile trip from Beersheba to Mount Carmel a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Just had it. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside him, his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came and touched him again. Get up and eat some more for the journey ahead of you will be too much if you don't eat. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. That's about 300 miles from Carmel to Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and he spent the night there. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, said the Lord. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was a terrible blast that that caused rocks to come loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, and anoint Jehu son of Nimshi to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah to replace you as my prophet. 
anyone who escapes from Hazael, from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. My sister and her kids were here this past two Sundays. Uh, some of you may have met them. A lot of you didn't. That's okay. They had a great experience here. And I want to commend you for that. The kids in particular, in their, in their areas, the places that they went, uh, the, the leaders really worked with them well. The kids were really kind to them. I especially want to commend our junior hires because my, my niece, Emily, she's moving into sixth grade. And so this was her very first youth group experience. And she was all day long kind of tense. Will the kids like me? Am I going to like it? Is it going to be okay? And let's face it, this is her very first youth group experience ever. This is going to set the stage, and, and it's junior high. And we know the way junior high can be. And our junior hires were fantastic in receiving her in and treating her well. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to, I want to just commend you more broadly for the way you treat people around here who are new and newer, that you don't just let them walk by. And, and we need to always be conscious of that. It's easy for us to come in on a Sunday morning and, you know, see our friend or see our favorite spot. Some of us have favorite spots. I know I can see your footprints in the dust. There it is. You stand in that spot. And, and, and you'll catch a fish if it walks by, and that's cool too. But um, we need to be aware, especially of a person that comes in there alone. It's easy to come in and out and be alone week after week after week. And so be conscious of that. Don't just pay attention to what you want or you need on a Sunday morning. Pay attention to people because, honestly, you minister to my family in a way that you won't know. Just by being friendly, just by saying hi, just by, just by bringing them in as if they are part of life around here. So we got home from church last week, and uh, we're sitting, eating lunch, and we're talking about the story from Sunday morning. We're talking about 1 Kings 18. We're talking about the fire from heaven. We're talking about all the details there and all the things that we didn't cover. And, you know, Kim asked the question, why wasn't Jezebel at Mount Carmel? And I'm like, I should know this, right? I have a master's of divinity. I'm supposed to have all the answers. And I'm like, well, I have only one answer. It's not in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know why she didn't go. And then my sister brought something up that, that I, boy, really had to kind of think about. And it's kind of been there all week long because, you know, my focus, when, when Elijah's pouring the water on the offering, I'm saying he is making this thing impossible to light. And she looked at it and said, he just took water in a drought and poured it on an offering. He wasted the water and poured it on the offering. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh my goodness, think about the implications of this. I mean, the people are watching and some of them have got to be going, are you kidding me? Have you ever been in that state? You're starving. You are just hungry. And someone else is eating a sandwich and they're about halfway through and ah, and they trash it. And you're you're thinking, will they notice if I go on over or or they have a bottle of water and they just start to pour and you're like, no, I'm thirsty or they just they have some ice cream something sweet a a candy bar something and you're craving it and they just waste it away and you go no 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 don't waste it give it to me so these people have got to be thinking i could have used that on my calf i could have used that on my crops i could have used that on my kid and here you are pouring it on an offering are you kidding me really then you have ahab Ahab's got to be kind of glad. You know, I've always thought that he's glad because he's watching him soak this offering and he's thinking, well, this is certainly going to be impossible to light. But now he's also got him on this technicality because when the fire doesn't come from the sky, he's going to be able to say, oh, and by the way, he wasted the last of the water we had. And the people would have been more than willing to take Elijah out over a little bit of wasted water. So you have that piece 
playing in. And, and, then, and then you have Elijah himself and what Elijah's doing in this particular moment. Because I look at it and say, Elijah's making it impossible for the offering to light. And that's a, that's a tremendous expression of fire-breathing faith. But there's something else he's doing. He's taking the last of what he's got and he's pouring it out. This is it. I mean, this water was walked up Mount Carmel. This was a long trip bringing this water to this place. And he's taking the last of what he's had and he pours it out. And I think there's a lesson for us in that because sometimes there are a few things we want to grip we want to hold on to. We don't want to let go. We hold on to our security. We, we touch, we clutch tightly to things that we don't want to release. And, and, and the truth is, God shows up when we say, I give. No more water. It's all out there, God. He knew God was going to rain down water from the sky. But he had to release what he had. He had to release what he said. I mean, going along with what Jesus said, right? When he says, if you give up your life... You will find it. But when you clutch tightly to your life, that's when you lose it. Sometimes we clutch a little too tightly. I wonder, what's the water in your life today that you need to pour on the offering? And you keep saying, I can't live without this. I need, you've taken everything else. I need this little bit. I just need this little bit. I, I tell you what, I mean, chapter 18, chapter 19, I feel like we just go on and on and on and on. Because there are so many beautiful lessons, hidden and obvious, in these chapters Chapter 18 was just, it was amazing. I mean, what an overwhelming miracle. Fire from the sky. Can you believe it? Uh, uh, here, the result is the people turn back to God. They give up on Baal and say, that's it. We're with you, Elijah. We're, we're in with this. And then we turn the page to chapter 19. And what you might expect to find in chapter 19 and what you do find in chapter 19 are polar opposites. You kind of go, do these chapters really belong back to back? Are you kidding me? We already read it. We start in chapter 19 with Ahab going home and telling his wife what happened. And, and I mean, this part's predictable. Of course, she's going to start to rant and scream and, and threaten and that's it. I'm taking this guy out. We, that's predictable. It's the next part that's so confusing to us. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. She makes a threat and he runs for his life. I mean, break down what he says here. His emotion is fear. I'm afraid. His actions, he runs away. He runs as fast as he can. And what's his prayer? Kill me. Not protect me. Not help me. Kill me. Kill me. You know, unfortunately, we've heard this story. Some of us have heard this story so many times that that chapter 19 doesn't hit us anymore. It should. This guy, I mean, think about what he should have done. I don't know about you, but when Jezebel airs her threat, here's what he should. She says, you're a dead man. He should say, light her up. Come on, God, bring some more. Send some fire. Teach her the lesson. Let's go. It's flamethrower time. Let's end this thing. What's going on here? What's happening in this passage? Elijah helps us to understand a really important dynamic of the spiritual life. And it's one that I know you have lived. And it's one that you will live again and again and again. It goes something like this. Every mountaintop has a corresponding valley. A mountain is a mountain without a valley, right? I mean, if everything were a mountain, we'd just have really high land. 
A mountain is a mountain because it's surrounded by valleys. Our kids are coming home from Omega later today. You don't see many high schoolers around today. They've been off having several great days of worshiping and playing and doing all this stuff. And camp, we've learned through the years, is a mountaintop experience. Kids come home and they are just excited. They're excited about their relationships. They're excited about God in a fresh way. They're excited about all this stuff. And I just got a warning for those of you parents who have a high school kid coming home from Omega today. Omega is a mountaintop and your house is the valley. You are the valley of the shadow, okay? You're it. And they're going to come home and you're going to just see them kind of slump and you're like, what's going on here? I mean, camp was supposed to fix you. What's going on? Why Why aren't you all better now? Every mountain has a corresponding valley. Even for a man of fire-breathing faith like Elijah, we should not be surprised at all by chapter 19. You know, I expect a little bit of this later this year. I don't know if you check your annual calendar every once in a while, but it was a year ago tomorrow that we voted unanimously to move ahead with that building. And it's been a very cool year. This past week, we're watching stone go on the side. We're watching ductwork go in. There's actually going to be air. Woo! There, there are restrooms being shaped up. Everything's going on, and it's just amazing. And we're going to come to Christmas Eve. Literal Christmas Eve is our first service. December 24th happens the same night every year. Okay, so warn your family, not coming to eat the ham that night. We're going to church. You can come with us if you want. But anyway, this is going to be great. This has been one nonstop mountaintop all year long. Somewhere along the way, I promise you, we will descend from the mountain. And there will be a valley. And you'll go, What's wrong? Uh, are we supposed to? Aren't we supposed to just hop from mountaintop to mountaintop? Isn't that what the spiritual life is all about? Staying on the mountains? Isn't isn't that what's supposed to happen? Sadly, we don't hop from mountaintop to mountaintop because while mountaintops may inspire our faith, valleys test our faith and valleys grow our faith, and we need the valley to grow just like we need the mountaintop to grow. Let me put the principle another way. Great moments of victory are often followed by seasons of testing. And sometimes even seasons of depression. Even seasons of sadness. Know it. Embrace it. It's a reality of the spiritual walk. Even for Elijah, this tremendous man of faith. So let's go ahead and settle into this for a moment. You know, it's one thing to run away because of a threat. I get that. I mean, she says, I'm going to kill you. I get that he wants to run away. It's one thing to run away. It's another thing to say, that's it. I'm through. Kill me now. Can you believe it? He's he's actually asking God, wipe me out. What's going on here? I think we get a clue in the next couple of verses. We read that he, he laid down and slept under the broom tree and then the angel comes and taps him and provides a fantastic meal and some water. And, and, and this happens twice. It's, it's really amazing. Now think about it for a moment. If the answer was sleep and food, what's the issue? He's tired. Elijah is dangerously tired. He was depleted. He was exhausted. He was out of steam. He was just plain tired. Maybe you were expecting some hyper-spiritual answer. Maybe when Lorraine said, tired, you went, oh, wrong answer. It has to do with his prayer life. He must not have been doing his devotions. There's God. The guy needed a nap. That's what it was all about. He was sleep. He was tired. He needed a chance to take a break. That's what it was all about. Our tendency is to divide up life into the physical and the spiritual. And the two don't touch somehow. 
But the two really go hand in hand. You know, I really feel for, for moms of babies and toddlers and infants. Uh, mine are not that age anymore. And that's a beautiful thing. After nine months of having gone through a process that's worse than back-to-back-to-back-to-back marathons, a baby is born. And somewhere along the way, while you were watching TV, they caught a message from Comcast, one of of Comcast's best features, on demand. They, They got that. They got that. So what do they do? I want food. Now. I want to be changed. Now. I want to be held. Now. Let me down. Now. No, pick me back again. Now. I want it. Now. 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 And I've had new moms come to me and say, I just don't understand why I'm so exhausted. I don't understand why I can't concentrate while I'm praying. I don't understand why reading the Bible is a blur. I don't understand why I get so angry, so short-tempered, so sad, so frustrated. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Does the term sleep deprivation mean anything to you? That's what's going on. This isn't some monster spiritual attack. Sleep deprivation is going on. The best gift we could start giving at baby showers is a book of nap coupons. <laughs> Go ahead, Pinterest it today, I dare you. I think it's a great idea. Here are your nap coupons, and I'll come over and I'll watch your kid, and you sleep. You just get a really, really good rest. There's a distinct correlation between your physical energy and your spiritual state. Elijah demonstrates this to us. This guy needed a nap. He needed to eat. For some of us, the best thing we could do today for our heart, the best thing we could do today for our soul and our spiritual state is to go home, turn off the TV, turn off the other noisemakers, and just get a good sleep. Dangerously tired often begins with physical neglect. Neglecting the body's cry for sleep, the body's cry for for care, the body's cry for a healthy meal, for a good walk and some physical activity. Our physical and our spiritual state are interwoven. They are inextricably tied. Your spiritual weariness may be rooted in your physical exhaustion. That may be the answer. Perhaps you live under this myth. It's a modern myth. It's quite wonderful. It's just a season, but this season will pass. Works hard right now, but it'll get better. It's okay. The kids are home from school right now. It's summer. It'll get better when fall comes. It'll be, it'll be okay. My, my kid, my seven-year-old, he's a three-sport athlete, but, but it'll get easier along the way. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Looking at the frantic pace of the average family, the source of exhaustion is no mystery. Some slowing needs to happen. Better choices need to be implemented. You can't do it all. So stop trying and stop pretending that it will not and it does not have an impact on your soul. It does. It absolutely does. Being dangerously tired had a physical source for Elijah. But you know what? It also had a spiritual source. There was another side to this as well. You look at verse 10 and you hear Elijah's response. What's what's going on in his life? What the problem is? I mean, he went through this litany. He gives it to us twice. Exactly the same words, you know. I've been zealous. They've been unfaithful. They're after me. They want to kill me. I'm the only one here. Here's what I'm going to do. Let's let's break down the verse. And we're going to do it in in a line at a time. And a little participation here. You let me know whether the line that Elijah says is true or false. All right? So let's start with the first one. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, there's a hint. Okay? So you don't have to worry about calling out the wrong answer. The people have broken their covenant with you. 
the word is on the board. You can do better than that. I want some strength. Look alive. Torn down your altars. Okay, this one's going to be a little tougher. And killed every one of your prophets. It's amazing the way you did that universally. I am the only one left. I heard you. Yeah. Elijah is playing his own version of two truths and a lie. Only it's four truths, one semi-truth and a lie. All right? There's no question that he served God faithfully. There's no question that the people had been dreadfully unfaithful, Jehovah. There's no question that Jezebel had Elijah in her crosshairs. It is even true that many of the prophets had been killed by Jezebel. But not all of them. How do we know that? And how do we know that Elijah knows that? The beginning of 1 Kings 18. Remember Obadiah? Remember when Obadiah gives his credentials? I'm faithful to God. What did he say? When Jezebel was killing people, I saved a hundred of the prophets. I put them in two caves and I fed them and cared for them. This is just a couple days before that Elijah hears this. He knows this to be true. He is not the only one left. When we're dangerously tired, we start to believe lies. We trade objective truth for what we feel. We follow our emotions, our feelings, and decide what is true and what is error based on the state of how we feel. Elijah would have been dead dead on accurate to say, it feels like I'm the only one left. That would have been accurate. But it was not accurate to say, I am the only one left. When we are dangerously tired, we treat our subjective impressions as objective reality. But it is not. Folks, feelings aren't facts. Impressions are not necessarily reality. At the end of the passage, God gives this gentle reminder. I I love the, oh, I forgot that line. And now they're trying to kill me too. Thank you. All right. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel. I love the way he throws it in there. You know, he just, by the way, there's 7,000 others who have not bowed down to Baal. There's 7,000 others who have not kissed him. Being dangerously tired is dangerous to your soul. It caused a man who called fire from heaven to pray for his death. And remember, this isn't years later or months later. This is a day later. It's not that long ago that he's had a great spiritual victory. Being dangerously tired has physical sources and it has spiritual sources. Both the physical and the spiritual basically have the same issue at play, and that is the word truth. On the physical side, we embrace the idea of a lifestyle that is a lie. I can do it all. I can handle it all. I'll be okay. On the spiritual side, we trade objective reality for our feelings. God has a cure. God has a cure. And it begins in verse 9. The Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I love this in God's interaction with people in the Bible as well as when Jesus interacts with people in the New Testament. He often begins with a question. Do you think that God didn't know what Elijah was doing there? Well, this really mystifies me. You're supposed to be on Mount Carmel. What are you you doing down here, Elijah? He's not mystified. God knows exactly why Elijah's there. I'm not convinced that Elijah knows why Elijah's there. 
I'm not convinced that he really gets why he's in that place in that moment. Rather than lecturing him, he just poses a simple question. What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, maybe it's time for us to ask the same question. I'll have some blanks for you. But the Lord said to you, what are you doing here? You can say your name. Are you feeling spiritually exhausted? You just may need to sit with that question for a while. Maybe you need to probe that question with someone you respect spiritually. We already read Elijah's reply. It's clear that he thinks he knows why he's there. But he really doesn't know why he's there. And the second time he answers the exact same way, God gives his own thoughts on the matter. You know, even the fact that Elijah is in a cave and not standing on the mountaintop says something, doesn't it? I mean, come on, really, Elijah? He, he goes out, as God says, to go out and encounters a series of, of experiences. He encounters this mighty windstorm that actually blows rocks off the mountain. He, he encounters an earthquake. He encounters a fire. And in all of this, we read the same line. God was not in any of them. And then he encounters this gentle whisper. This gentle whisper. The voice says once again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same response. Same story. And I don't know about you. When I'm reading this story, I come to this part and I'm a little frustrated. Because I wanted the gentle voice to just scramble Elijah's eggs and now he gets it. Now he understands. You know, here we are, 30-minute 30, 30 sitcom, 60-minute drama, two-hour movie. Boom, boom, done, over, next, wrapped up, pretty, all done. Not the case with this. In this case, none of this leads Elijah to an aha moment. None of this leads him to realize what's going on here. So what God does, it gives, he gives him three things. Three things that, that will help rock him out of the ditch in which his wheels are stuck. First, he gives him an assignment. He says, go anoint a couple kings. Now, God tells him this. Despite your feelings, keep doing your job. Another way to say it. Despite your feelings, stay true to your calling. For many people, dangerously tired is when they become morally reckless. It is when they are dangerously tired that they start to say things like, I'm tired of this marriage, I want out. It's when they're dangerously tired that they start throwing things away and saying, that's it, I quit. Stay true to your calling despite your feelings of depletion. He also gives him a partner who will serve as a replacement. God tells him, go anoint Elisha, who will ultimately be your successor. And then he gives him What he needs the most, he challenges him ever so gently with the truth. By the way, you're not alone. You're not alone. There are 7,000 other people who have never bowed their knee. There are 7,000 other people who have never kissed that statue. In, In three distinct ways, he spoke to Elijah's fundamental concern. He spoke to his aloneness. He said, you are not alone. My gentle whisper is with you. A new partner and a replacement will soon be with you. And 7,000 other people are with you too. So what do we learn from this man? What do we learn from this passage? It takes a while for a soul to grow dangerously tired. You don't grow dangerously tired overnight. 
It's this cumulative effect over the course of time that before you know it, you are in a place of absolute depletion. And you know what? It's going to take a while for you to be fully restored. That's not an overnight wonder either. There are no easy answers. There are no overnight wonders. On the physical side, rest is needed. It's time to just figure out the pace again and get some rest. On the spiritual side, a healthy dose of truth is absolutely vital. Are you dangerously tired? Let me ask you again what God asked Elijah. What are you doing here? How did you get here? Why are you here in this moment? Is it because you've neglected basic care for this temple that God created? Is it internal? Are you believing statements that are less than true? Listen for that restoring whisper of God. Stop looking for the answers in the wind, in the earthquake, and in the fire. We look for sensational answers. We always think there's going to be something big. And God's answer is in the whisper. It's far more subtle. You may need to find a spiritually mature friend who will partner with you to help you out of your cave. Start embracing the truth again. I mean, the fact is you're not the only one left. And whatever lie you're choosing to believe, it's not true. Identify the lies that are rattling out in your head and that are feeding your soul and fueling your actions. Listen to the lines you repeat in your head again and again. The lines you believe but have no basis in reality whatsoever. You need to feed your mind truth statements. Isn't that what Philippians 4.8 is all about? Feed your mind truth. Constantly feed your mind truth. How about just repeating something as simple as, you are not alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Maybe it's time to identify the lie you've been repeating and find the scriptural truth and just let that become the repeated whisper in your heart and in your soul. If someone like Elijah can become dangerously tired, we are all vulnerable to this condition. What are you doing here? How did you get here? The good news is you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live in a state of dangerously tired Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it in all its fullness. He didn't come to leave us depleted, to use us and throw us away. He came to give us life in all of its fullness. So in the next couple of moments, we're going to be reminded of the life in all its fullness given to us by Jesus. We'll be reminded through communion. And you're going to receive a tray. It's got bread in the middle, cups around the side. Take one of each. We're not going to sing. What we're going to do this morning is just listen to some background instrumental music. All right? Just going to listen to some music. And as we do, I want you to keep pondering that question. What are you doing here? Not physically. Why are you sitting at Southfield? Leave that for lunch. Why is your soul where your soul is today? What are you doing here? Maybe it's time. I mean, we're going to provide you a few minutes here. You don't get many minutes to just be quiet. Maybe it's time to just identify one or two of the lies that you've been feeding your mind constantly. And those lies have become your new reality, but they're just plain not true. Would you use these moments as you listen to the music? 
to identify the lie and to trade it for some truth. I'm going to pray with you right now. Father God in heaven, some of us sitting here today are, yeah, we're a little tired, but we're not surprised. But there are at least a few people, maybe many more, that are just dangerously exhausted. And they need to take a few minutes right now to stop and say, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Why am I running like a madman, a madwoman, believing everything is going to be okay? Why do I keep believing the lies? Feed us truth this morning, God. Your word is truth. Your son is truth. We embrace the truth. It is life-giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you haven't taken communion yet, you can do it now. I'm going to wrap up with some announcements, but as we do, I just want to say one more time, you don't have to live dangerously tired. You don't have to stay there. But I do promise you this, if you choose to stay there, a shipwreck is coming. A collapse is coming. You can't live that way indefinitely. you got to do something about it. So we're here to help. You have people sitting around you that are glad to help. It doesn't necessarily require a professional counselor. It just may require an ear of someone that you know will speak the truth to you. Not someone who will just reinforce your lies, but someone you know will gently speak the truth and help pull you out of your cave. Uh, our servers are going to come right now and receive the offering. While they do, you can put your card in the basket as well as your offering. And I just have a, a whole bunch of things for you. Lost my clicker. Hold on. And the first one is, um, well, I guess you have the clicker, Sherry, don't you? I don't have it for this one. The first one is just the progress we've seen this past week on the building. It's been kind of fun. So this is the view from the chairs. And at the bottom, you can see there's wood. And they've got windows in, which is really cool to go in and and see windows and whatever happening. And then uh, during the week, we started to see, like I said, uh, the air conditioning started moving into place. These nice big tubes that look like they'd be really tempting to just climb in and roll down the hill. Restrooms started going in. And then all that was starting to be formed up. And that was really cool. But then one night, we went over there. and, And this was the part that was like, are you? You kidding me really the stone is starting to go on the bottom around the all the way around the building it's almost complete now so you're starting to see this thing just really start to take form and the funny thing is i don't know if you ever build a house or anything like that there comes a point in the building that you think ah this isn't going to take that long we're there right now i look at this and i'm like we'll be in in two weeks this is no big deal we can go let's go but i'm eh, gonna take a couple more than two weeks but just really exciting to see the progress there and it won't be too long and we'll go over and take another peek and i think you'll be amazed to see the the transformation that has taken place from the first time that you were over there, and then it won't be too long before we'll be worshiping there ourselves. I already mentioned our high schoolers. They're gone today, uh, doing Omega with Grace and Manuka Bible and having a time of just spiritually intensive growth and, and loving being together. They come back at 4 o'clock today. So, I, you know, normally with elementary school kids, we say, please pick them up. If you don't pick up your high schooler, they know where you live. They'll walk home eventually. But 4 o'clock, you want to make sure you go ahead and pick them up. Uh, because of that, by the way, they'll resent it too. So pick them up on time. It's really important. Um, a lot of therapy over that one. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not kidding. Anyway, uh, so because they're coming back late, they don't have group tonight. Okay, so they don't have a group tonight, but kind of got a fun makeup. They're going to Herzberger's tomorrow. Uh, they have a spot on the lake where they can do some skiing and boating and all that fun stuff. So the details of that are on the Facebook warehouse site, and you can go ahead and check that out. And if, and if you don't get it there, what you can do is tonight at about 2 in the morning, call Brian, and, and he'll tell you anything. Ah, that'd be great. More therapy. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> Remember Baptism Sunday coming up in just a few weeks. If you're wanting to get baptized, make sure you get sign up for that. Talk to us. We'd love for you to participate in that. And then also, if you didn't get a chance to check it off today, be thinking through looking at, are there some Sundays that I could be involved in that Sweet 16 and tearing down? Love the fact that the school is so generous to let us stay set up during the summer. Provides us a, a much-needed break, and we, we appreciate that. What they do in the process is they schedule their cleaning in such a way that it really works around our equipment. But eventually they say, uh, we need to clean that room too. And today that happens in here. 
So what we need to do is not load everything in the trailers. We just need to take it all to another room. So today, if you if you started coming this summer, you're going to learn what are our fantastic spiritual traditions, which is putting away your own chair. Okay, so uh, in a moment, we'll have you take your chair to one of the racks, and the racks are completely empty, so this is something to be aware of. When you're putting your chair on, the first four need to go between those little bars, and if they don't, they fall and tip, and it's just kind of ugly. So people will help guide you in that, and we'll get those away. And then if you can stick around and help us move the other things, uh, that would be really helpful, and maybe just give you a little bit of a taste of what's going on with Teardown. Teardown means that, hey, guess what? It's got to be set up next Sunday, so if there's somebody that wants to help even next Sunday, that'd be great. And then we have a couple weeks before we start wandering and go to the park and go to the warehouse and all those other places, all right? Yeah, just this room. So, like, don't tear down kids' rooms because that would... No, don't do that. This room only. Look around. You got it? (laughs) Only what's in here. All right. Stand. We're going to pray. Father God, being dangerously tired is no joking matter. When we are depleted, we do bad things. I pray that today would be a wake-up call for some of us, many of us, all of us, that we can't live that way. We sure can't live that way forever, but if we're living that way now, we have got to get some restoration. And so, Lord, give us the courage in walking out of this place today to face the truth of our condition, to lean into it, and to get help and find hope again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab your chair. Let's put them away. Good to see you today. Thank you, I'm glad you said that.